November 27, 2020. Hi, I'm an activist in Lafayette who is working around the state to confront police negligence and brutality. I read about your mother. I believe it was alleged that she was murdered in a freezer by the sheriff's son. Is that right? I would absolutely love to speak with you to get that info you have so that I can get you the coverage your family deserves and I'll fight for their justice. November 27, 2020. I would appreciate that more than you know. Yes, it was my mother. I also have a twin sister. The sheriff's son and the entire sheriff's department, as well as some FBI, have allegedly covered it up for too long. I'm ready to find justice. Can you basically give me all the info you have? Like, I don't know, you send me 50 messages back to back or type a book. I'm bringing this to a friend of mine tonight. I'm here to help. With my actions this year, I have had the Louisiana State Police Chief step down and retire this year at no coincidence at all. My friend and I are getting things done, and when I read what happened to your mother, I felt she deserves justice. Thank you so much. I'm actually driving right now to take my kid to get ice cream. I have boxes of crime scene photos and depositions, but I'll give you the rundown when I get home. Gotta get kids taken care of first, then I gotcha. I'm so grateful. Of course. Thank you so much. I'm very patient and would absolutely love to hear about what happened to your mother. I'm here whenever you have free time. November 28th. My mom was friends with a man named Kevin Abel. Kevin owed Richard McElveen a large sum of money for drugs. It was a known fact. He would tell my mom Stacy how he was scared for his life because of the money he owed. The day he was found dead from what the sheriff's department ruled a suicide, she was on her way to his house with my twin sister and I. They had made plans a few hours before to have a barbecue. He was found with a bullet hole through his head and a TV on his chest. The investigation that was done determined that he fell into a TV stand and knocked the TV off. Then it landed on his chest. But my mom knew that wasn't true. She knew the layout of the house and where he was found. There was no TV stand or TV. They did find a suicide note, but he could have been coerced into writing it. My mom immediately contacted Johnny Fryer of the Sheriff's Department. I can't remember what he was exactly at the time. She thought that she was helping. At the time, she was also documenting names of people who were buying drugs out of KK's corner. She was friends with the DEA detective who she was reporting all of this information to. She had also been reporting that since Kevin's death, she was scared for her safety. She realized that Richard and Wayne McElveen were aware she knew too much about what was going on. From what I've gathered, Richard hired this kid, Miles Addison, to work at the store to sell drugs from the store. That's what my mom was documenting. This kid conveniently quit the day before the murders happened. She also was never supposed to work that shift, neither was Marty. Miles was supposed to work his shift, and my aunt who worked there at the time was supposed to work Stacy's. But the schedule was changed by the owner of the store, Kenny Klein. So that tells me he was involved as well. It's all over the place. It's hard to type it all. It's much easier to tell in person. Bear with me. The sheriff's department says that Thomas Sisko did this as a robbery, but I know better and so does most of this town. Sisko loved my mom. He called her his best friend. I spoke with him over the phone a few months ago. He sounded so remorseful and pitiful. He said that Richard and Wayne threatened to kill his kids if he didn't take the heat for the murders. He also is scared to even speak Richard's entire name. He calls him RM or the devil. I spoke with Richard and he seems so weird. He was adamant that I only speak with him and never talk to Lane LaBeouf again. He almost treated me like a child when he talked to me, like I could tell he's used to people listening to him, almost like a power trip. There was only one witness and she personally told my grandmother that they threatened her and her family if she ever spoke on what she actually saw there at the store that night. 
she saw Richard, Thomas Sisko, and these two black guys that were known as the Freeman brothers. I'm not sure of their first names at the moment. That's what she said she saw. On the show, Lucky says that, that Cisco knew details only the killer would know, like how Nicole didn't fall when he shot her, but she did fall. I have crime scene photos. Or how many times each one was shot. My mom was shot seven or eight times alone. Not long after the murders, maybe two days, a picture was taken of Richard. He had a black eye. I'm following, and you can type whatever you can. Anyone who knew my mom knew that she didn't go down without a fight. She was a big woman. I think she gave him that black eye but nobody ever questioned it or why it wasn't a conflict of interest that Wayne was involved from the entire investigation from the jump. That's contaminating evidence right there. My mom's photos show that she did struggle before they killed her. This is something that's definitely not right here. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Please don't let me messaging you knock you off your train of thought. I just wanted to say, I hear you. I appreciate this and I wanna help you help me any way I can. Thomas Sisko called our house not long after the funerals. He asked to speak to Stacy. I always thought that was strange, too. Wayne McElveen held a press conference for the entire town to speak on his son's innocence, but refused to let any of our family in the courthouse. When he walked out, he told my grandpa, Stacy's dad, that I hate you more than I feel sorry for you. That made me sick. This goes back further, though, to the Ellender murders. Richard was a killer before then. He was named as a suspect for their murders, too. It's not a coincidence that a man is named as a killer in the most fucked up crimes Calcasieu Parish has ever seen. They did leave the daughter, who was the same age as me at the time of her mother and father's death alive, though, 23 months old. Honestly, this is like something out of a Stephen King book. I am so sorry you have to bear this cross, but I can assure you that you are not bearing it alone. When I think about it, I can't believe it's real either. I can't believe that some people really think that he's innocent. Seeing it all play out on national television made it even more real. I've lived it for 25 years, but nobody really understood. I'm happy it's being brought into the spotlight. My grandmother lost her only daughter, and she raised my sister and I alone, without help. I'd do anything to see her get some closure. Not to mention Marty's mom has never been right since this happened. They took that woman's sanity when they killed her son. As a mom myself, I can't imagine what they go through losing a child. That's a different type of pain. For this man to do this and think he's gonna get away with it just drives me. My only hope is his precious daughter sees what a disgusting human he truly is when she's old enough and disowns him. December 31st, 2020. Hey, I was wondering if you would be available to video chat with my friend and I. We are doing an Unsolved Louisiana Case podcast and want to feature your mom's story first and would love to talk over FaceTime or Zoom and take notes for the bit and even a couple audio clips if you'd like. January 1st. Sure, I'd love to. Just let me know when. Awesome. What about Thursday? That's great. Great. 5 to 6 p.m.? That'll work for me. I appreciate the opportunity. No, we appreciate the opportunity. Seriously, thank you. January 6th. Hey, we are running a bit behind and would love to reschedule our interview for tomorrow if that works for you. January 7th. I'm sorry, my grandma had knee surgery a few days ago. I've been taking care of her, plus my kids, and I'm exhausted. Any way we can tomorrow? January 7th. Hey, I am so sorry to hear about that. Like I said, we are falling a bit behind schedule and are looking to push back our interview. What about next weekend? January 8th. That's perfect. It worked better for me. Okay, perfect. Us too. Thank you so much for working with us. January 13th, 2021. Do you have any available days this week? This weekend I'll be out of town with my kids, but I can always do an interview at work. We actually don't have a projected time right now for our interview. I'm sorry, but we just keep finding more info. 
Honestly, it feels like. We wanted to wait to interview until we have all of our info. I will be able to give you a three to four day heads up for when we are ready. Would that be able to work for you? Sorry for the inconvenience. Yes, that'll work. I just didn't want to be around my grandma when I do it. So as long as it's three or four days, that'll work with me. Of course. We want to be as courteous to everyone, and we appreciate you working with us. January 18th, 2021. Tracy Lane Reeves, mother of two, was found dead in her bathtub. The interview never happened. We are Cypress Secrets, and this is KK's Corner. On the night of July 6, 1997, three people were brutally murdered, execution-style, in Lake Charles, Louisiana, in the walk-in freezer of the convenience store, gas station infamously known as KK's Corner. Marty LaBeouf, age 21, Stacy Reeves, age 26, and Nicole Guidry, a whole child, only 14 years old, were all shot multiple times in what was originally described as a brutal robbery gone wrong. Whether that's the truth is highly up for debate, but we'll get into those details a little later. Lake Charles, Louisiana has a current population of just under 80,000 people and is pretty evenly divided, with the population being about 47% white and 47% black. It lies in Calcasieu Parish and is located along the I-10 corridor between Houston, Texas, and bigger Louisiana cities such as Lafayette and Baton Rouge. Just some food for thought before going forward. I-10 corridor is a huge route for the drug trade coming in from Texas. Really, in the 90s, there was a lot of ecstasy being moved, and, and Lake Charles was mostly a through city. They would stop, stay for the night, go, or they would have connects in Lake Charles that they would meet every now and then. It was just a touch-and-go type city. KK's Corner was an alleged hotspot for drug sales in the late 90s and is where our story begins. The narrative presented over time by the media and the Calcasieu Parish Sheriff's Office, headed by Sheriff Wayne McElveen at the time of the murders, has been that Thomas Sisko and an unconfirmed accomplice entered KK's corner around closing time, held the three people up at gunpoint, and then took them one by one into the cooler and shot them numerous times execution style prior to robbing the store and fleeing. Crime scene photos show signs of struggle and a robbery. The back office door can be seen completely ripped off the door frame and hinges and thrown on the ground. The store's safe and register were both open but not completely emptied, and the keys, said to be those of Stacy Reeves, remained in the safe. The scene in the cooler has been described as bloody, gruesome, and just horrific. Three bodies were positioned together in between crates of soda, lined up as if they had been brought in one by one, and remained in the cooler, preserved until early the next morning, 3 a.m. whenever they were found by the store attendant who was arriving to open business for the following day. The store attendant noted that the alarm system did not need to be disarmed upon arrival, but the doors were locked. Once inside the store, the attendant noticed that the registers were opened, money was missing, and it was apparent she needed help. She called the police. Written in the case law and based on evidence at the scene, it is worth noting that the killers took precautions to avoid leaving evidence at the scene, including cutting the telephone lines and removing the surveillance videotape from the store's locked office. Some fingerprints were found on the site, but they were deemed unidentifiable and unusable. Although these precautions were taken, the murderers were not familiar with the store's alarm system. And one hour after closing, the security company did contact the store owner, Kenny Klein, about the alarm not being set as per usual. Klein informed the security company that employees often forget to arm the store and asked that they dispatch a deputy to check on it. 
The dispatcher that took the call failed to inform anybody and failed to dispatch a unit. According to Detective Lucky Delouche, the lead investigator on the case, the dispatcher was cleared as a suspect but still fired from their position for this crucial mistake. Some residents feel this insinuates police involvement in the murders. Nicole Guidry, our youngest victim, was a child of 14 years old. She went to KK's corner that night to discuss babysitting with Stacy Reeves. As previously mentioned, Stacy Reeves was a single mother of two-year-old twin girls at the time of her murder. Marty was working the closing shift with Stacy, and there have been questions over the years on if and why the schedule was changed that fateful night. Local rumor and family sources state that neither Marty nor Stacy Reeves were scheduled to work on July 6, but due to management and an employee quitting in what some have described as a suspicious manner, these two ended up being behind the counter that night. The rest of the details of this atrocious event have been patchworked together over time and are still definitely not conclusive. Unfortunately, these murders went unsolved for over a year until surprisingly, Thomas Sisko, a friend to Stacy Reeves, was arrested in connection to them. Sisko was ID'd through extremely unconventional methods, including the hypnotism of an eyewitness. The eyewitness, again through hypnotism, was able to describe seeing two men arriving into KK's corner and one man bumping her on her way out. She gave a description of one of the men, of which a composite sketch was made and later released via the media. And although, even with hypnotism, she had never before been able to give a detailed description of the second of the two men she had seen entering the convenience store where the murders later occurred, she nonetheless identified Thomas Sisko as that man in a lineup conducted by Deputy Deluche. She also recalled for the first time that the second man had a tattoo on his left hand when she saw tattoos on both of the defendant's hands at the lineup. After Sisko was arrested, he began his inquisition of false allegations and unleashed his personal vendetta of accusations against a myriad of unexpected old acquaintances. Basically, he claimed a bunch of different people who were just innocent and random were his accomplice due to petty prior grievances. Eventually, after completely blowing his reputation and believability, Sisko told detectives that Richard McElveen, son to the sheriff, Wayne McElveen, was his accomplice and the mastermind behind the murders at KK's Corner. So, let's get into Richard McElveen, again, son of Wayne McElveen, town sheriff, and back to that mugshot really quick. Trying to remain as neutral as humanly possible, you could lay it on top of Richard's face, and it's a dead ringer, but I digress. This wasn't the first time Richard McElveen was accused of such a heinous crime in Calcasieu Parish. On February 11, 1991, Pam and Eric Ellender were found brutally murdered by gunshot in their bed in Sulphur, Louisiana, with their infant daughter nearby. Around that time, the local rumor mill was pumping out a connection between this murder and Richard McElveen, with nothing ever coming from it. It was later believed that this couple was murdered due to a satanic club, but this is also the tail end of satanic panic in America and should be taken with a grain of salt. There have been arrests and convictions made in regards to Ellender murders at this point. It's the belief of the Reeves family that the robbery at KK's Corner was simply a cover for the murder of Stacy Reeves, and the other two victims were unfortunately in the wrong place at the wrong time. To understand this theory though, we have to mention another mysterious death that happened in Lake Charles, the death of Kevin Abel. Abel was a friend of Stacy Reeves, who was said to have been involved in the local drug scene in Calcasieu Parish at the time. 
Abel was found dead in his living room with a bullet hole in his head and a tube television on top of his chest. Along with the body, the police recovered the utilized weapon, a small handgun, and a suicide note written and signed by Abel. It is said that Stacy never believed that Abel killed himself and emphasized that due to the layout of the house, there is no way that a TV would have just fallen on Abel's chest mid-living room. The Reeves family believes that immediately after Abel's questionable death, Stacy began working with a deputy, or possibly a DEA detective, thinking she was helping the town and reporting on the going-ons around Lake Charles and specifically drugs that were allegedly being sold out of KK's corner and that due to this fact and who all entailed, there was a target on her back. This deputy failed to come forward after the murder and disclose his alleged friendship with Stacy. Eventually, Detective Lucky dismissed this unnamed officer as a suspect and person of interest. Lucky had stated the deputy had passed a polygraph test and his 9mm revolver, same millimeter as the murder weapon, had cleared a ballistic test. Nothing further has come from this deputy. Tracy Reeves, daughter of Stacy Reeves, explains in an Investigation Discovery episode that her grandmother felt being involved in this search for justice was just too dangerous to pursue. No better time than the present to mention the Facebook DMs read at the beginning of this episode are those between Katie and Tracy Reeves. Katie reaching out to Tracy and initiating that interaction is actually what started Cypress Secrets. She brought this case in the beginnings of their conversations to me, and we made the leap from there. Katie was in contact with Tracy over the course of a month or two, and we were in the process of finally scheduling an overdue, delayed interview when we received news that Tracy Reeves was found dead in her bathtub days prior to our tentative interview. And this is just the beginning, folks. When we come back, we will get into some of the specifics of the case, go over our insights from the crime scene photos and details, and fill y'all in on what local rumor and town theory dictates for this case. Stay tuned. There's so many more secrets in the cypress trees. On March 18, 1999, nearly two years after the murders at KK's Corner and numerous false confessions and accusations later, the defendant, Thomas Sisko, told Deputy Corey Manuel, who worked at the jail, that he wanted to make a recorded statement. Sisko stated that Richard McElveen had paid the defendant $10,000 out of a promised $20,000 to kill Stacey Reeves because she knew too much about how her quote-unquote former boyfriend, Kevin Abel, had been killed in a drug-related matter in which McElveen was involved. He also said that there had been previous allegations that drugs were being trafficked out of KK's corner and that Abel owed Richard McElveen or other dealers a large sum of money. The prosecution attempted to portray this statement to Manuel as another example of the defendant's many false confessions. Sheriff Wayne McElveen held a press conference upon this news leaking where he paraded his son in front of cameras, scoffed at the allegations, and criticized those that perpetuated them, explaining how he and his family were true victims and that this was a political scheme because he was up for re-election as town sheriff. He spoke on his son being poor, collateral damage in this political game of chess. Richard has since been cleared from the case, investigated by those aligned with and working for his father. 
However, Sheriff Wayne did lose re-election that year, and though the community was promised there was no foul play or corruption of any sort within the Calcasieu Parish Sheriff's Office, the new sheriff immediately fired 80-plus personnel and officers upon arrival, which seems to go unquestioned and unexplained. Now, we tried to give you the facts as unbiased as possible, but let's go back to the crime scene photos and let's get real with this. The crime scene photos in question that we're going to go over are a small hand few. One of the photos shows the office door completely ripped off the hinges, uh, door frame and all thrown on the floor, discarded. That one said to have been kicked in by the sheriff or the uh, deputy at the time in an attempt to get the video surveillance. Another photo that we've seen is the three bodies lined up in between crates of soda in the cooler, uh, where it looks like they'd been marched in one by one and murdered. Another photo uh, we're going to go over is a photo of the safe itself, which has been opened with the keys said to have been Stacy Reeves' keys. There is quite a bit of change left in the safe, but it looks like it's been cleared of all the cash money. Uh, the last photo we're going to go over is of the cash register in the front of the store. It's been cleared of most money. There is some on the floor. And it is worth noting that beneath the cash register, there's clearly a purse that has not been even looked at. Or mentioned. Or mentioned in any of this. Right. Well, I want to go back to the first uh, picture, the one with the door. Yes. Okay. So... The the story is is that they kicked in the door to get the videotape, right? Right, and and because it's Dep to the office. Deputy Lucky is quoted as kicked in the door. This door is not kicked right. in. That's that's my problem with the picture is that it is essentially pulled off. Pulled off it is, exactly. It's the the door isn't in the office. It's right. in the hallway, and like I'm not talking just the door, like the door frame, the door like frame. the wood around the. Like, the whole thing is off the actual wall. Like, a strong, incredible Hulk did this. Right, <laughs> like, right. Like, but, but the thing is, is he has the keys. He should have the keys because Stacy's keys get in the safe. The keys are in the safe, and there's no reason for that to be a different key ring because she's closing the store. Right. So, again, the story is they kicked in the door to the office to get the surveillance video to destroy that evidence and make sure they're not caught. My thinking is, what if they were hiding in the office and they had to get to them? That is, that's why they couldn't access Stacy's right. keys right. to get into the door. They had to rip it off to get into the office. Right, and I don't know if there would have been a panic or what would have caused a panic because if Cisco really was there, we think he was there, obviously. Um, he's friends with Stacy. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like... So what would have alerted them? Exactly. Or? Like what, what would have set it off, essentially. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I want to know, like, what set it off? Like, what right. started it? It's, it's just a big question mark. Like, why would you have to rip off that office door if the keys are present? And, like, rip it towards yourself, guys. Not into the office. Ripped it towards themselves and, and discarded it in the hallway. And discarded it. Right. Uh, the next picture is them lined up in the cooler. Um, it just, I mean, it looks 90s as hell. It's crazy, like, old logos and soda logos, and they're lined up in between soda crates. Right. It's it's like the soda crates make an aisle way, and it looks as if they took them in one at a time, and, you know, they the next one was a few feet 
closer, and you, then the next one was a, a few feet closer. You can tell that they, they, they brought Marty in first, probably because he was, you know, the only man there. Right, and because he was in the deepest. He was the furthest down the uh, aisle. Right. And then Nicole, and then Stacy. And I, I would have to think that they killed Stacy last because Cisco was there. Maybe there was some glimmer that Stacy wouldn't be killed. Right. And in, I mean... Cisco made a lot of uh, confessions, as we said, and in some of them he did say that she was the last one and right. she was looking him in the eye and she didn't think he was going to do anything because they were friends. And um, it, there, there's just a lot in that one. But so the whole theory is that this was done as a robbery. It was a robbery gone wrong or a robbery with no fucks given, basically. Right. But that leaves us with the last two pictures where the safe, there's still a ton of change in there. I can't tell if it's nickels or quarters, but there's a significant amount of rolls, like right. rolled money. They went through a lot of trouble to get into the safe. Murdered so, three people. Murdered three people, so I would think they would take that. Including a child. Right, Nicole Guidry was young. Like, she looked young. They like, murdered a child to get this money, and they said that they were, uh, Cisco said he was on drugs, and... Our personal experience, whenever you're on drugs, every single dollar, every single quarter counts. You know what I mean? Like, if, if I'm if I'm robbing a place, if I killed three people and I'm fiending, I'm not leaving a fucking dollar behind. Right. And the that brings us to the last picture where there's money on the floor still. This register's been pretty cleared, but there's that purse right beneath there where it hasn't been touched. It doesn't look disheveled. Like... Why wouldn't you go through the purse? What right. if it was full of cash? What right. if it was full of drugs? What if, you know, a million what ifs? It was just, untouched. It, it was, was just untouched. untouched. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big question mark for me. And uh, some of the things like the door coming off the hinges, they just seem to dismiss it. It doesn't seem to have gone questioned over time. Like we found nowhere in any like research that we did, anybody mention anything about the doorway being in the hallway. Everybody just seemed to go with it. It was kicked in, but reverse, <laughs> I right. guess. Opposite day. Right. Like, it, it's very downplayed, right? And that's that's kind of saddening to us, too, because in the conversations with Tracy, she said she has the crime scene photos, right. or she had the crime scene photos, and she had depositions and things of that nature, and we never were able to see that. But it it just doesn't add up there's something right. not correct and right. it seems like if these questions are so apparent to us why wouldn't the cops do more investigating right like you know? whenever we saw the door you guys me and des looked at each other like what the fuck we paused like, it right immediately right which we were watching uh investigation discovery they have an episode which is where we got a lot of our factual information and quotes from deputy lucky yes from uh it, it covered this case, and they just kind of gloss over that, and it seems so significant to us because the keys are present. The keys are there in the photo in the safe. You can see them in the safe. Like, it's um very apparent. Right. There's just a lot of questions about this that are basically up in the air, and we'll post some of these photos on our social media so you could take a look for yourself and maybe give us some of your insights and what you think about them. Okay, another thing we wanted to touch base on or talk about is the <laughs> use of hypnotism in this case. <laughs> so it's laughable, but at the same time, it's like you can't cherry pick because right. they had this eyewitness, the only eyewitness, 
hypnotized to get half of these facts, right? So it's funny because it's questionable. Right. You don't know what to believe, and she's coming up with things she couldn't remember in her consciousness, but she's thinking of it in her subconsciousness. But if you dismiss all that as hokey and, like, uh, inconclusive, unusable, you have to dismiss the mugshot. Right. Because she gave us the mugshot that's that a, we that's said. A, that's a good point, Des. Right. She, that's the, a good point. The mugshot that looks identical to Richard McElveen was given to us because of the hypnotism. So it, it goes both ways. Like, because I laugh at it and I laugh, but... But shit. That mugshot is fucking dead ringer. It's the same. It's the same. Like, if you could put it on top of a picture of him, it'd it match. It, it's just him. Like, in that uh, ID episode, the uncle of Stacey Reeves, yeah. he even says it. He's like, I can't believe they let this picture come out. Right. And the investig- uh, the interviewer's like, why? And he's like, he just gives him, like, a look. Like, like you know come on. Are. Like, you know. Like, that's that's him. Like, that is Richard McElveen. Right. And then, like we said, it wasn't the first time he was alleged to be tied to murder cases. It so it's it like, can't be coincidental. Right. You know? So it's a big thing. But there's a lot with that eyewitness who was hypnotized, too, because, like, the, oh, after I saw the tattoos on the defendants, now I remember they, they had a right. tattoo. Like, how much of it is real? How much of it, it could have been coerced? Like, we don't know. There's so many allegations of corruption at that time right. and fear for their lives because of who is alleged to have been involved. And in the 90s, it, it was pretty cutthroat. You know, I mean, people went missing a lot in Lake Charles uh, for a lot of things that people said was involved in drug trafficking. And it wasn't right. it wasn't just people who you would think it would be. It was like, you know, neighbors and you know what I mean? Like they didn't like have a have a type. Right. I've been researching for a few other cases that are kind of tied to this. And it, it, yeah, it seems just like it's not even the Wild West. It's just right. like people <laughs> are disappearing and like and then police that's, are and involved. Then that's that. like, and it's, it, it's so outrageous and it's so ridiculous that it sounds like fairy tales. And it sounds like you're just making this up for a narrative because it's so corrupt and it's so like well, systemic. I, actually, like great example right now uh personally i have a friend that went missing a few years ago she was never her body was never recovered uh Mm -hmm. 18 years old and then uh this year this year uh my friend sky went missing right and she she was a addict so whenever the police heard that she was missing she's actually seven months pregnant they they only looked for her for a week Oh, wow. Because they were like, you know, that's whenever people go missing, they don't see it as their problem. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's they reported that she was dead uh, two days ago, but they don't they didn't release how. And they said that her body was displaced somewhere and they don't know where. And that's just that's how they're going to close that until someone wants to come forward and say something about it, but that's probably not going to happen. Right. So like that's like a current like in 2021. That's what's happening still. So, so what was going on in the 90s? Right. That's one of the things I was telling you where it's like a lot of the information and sources we used for this were news articles from, you know, the 20th anniversary right. of KK's Corner. Because right. yes. at the time, the Internet wasn't booming. So it's like I still don't know what they were saying at the time. What were the newspapers saying at the time of this with the mugshot? Right. Did they believe it? Right. Was the media basically emphasizing it was Richard? Were they against it? Like, 
because the town clearly got on board with, oh, hell no, Richard McElveen is involved in this and he's dangerous. Be- so how like, did it just get swept out, you know? Like, right, just right. Because it just happened. Because daddy's the sheriff? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, even, even whenever he didn't win, he still has pull. You know what I mean? Right. He'll, anybody who's ever that high up will always have well an even then at that point there's so many people involved to come out and say they did it it would right. it would ruin so many careers that they would never let that happen because again that brings us to the new sheriff coming in which i mean audience you could correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the new sheriff that got elected after McElveen was a woman right their first woman sheriff i believe and maybe and she came in and she fired over 80 people and they said most were officers throughout calcasieu parish but no explanation they're trying to say at like simultaneously there is no corruption there is nothing bad going on everything is hunky-dory but we're also going to fire 80 people at once almost a hundred people on our staff Right. And and, and is not big now. Exactly. We told you in the beginning, like Lake Charles, Calcasieu Parish, it's not that big. It's not that populated. I, I, it's not New Orleans. You know, it is right, the I, country. I graduated uh, high school in Lake Charles. That's where I'm from. And I graduated with uh, 19 other students on, on a church stage. And that was like two years ago because Katie's like five years old. <laughs> but that's so imagine in the 90s. <laughs> You know, it's it's just it's very close knit. So for this to just not be um, any further than it was twenty years ago, right, is what really is staggering. Yeah, exactly. Like time kind of stands still, and we've mentioned that before here. Right. I don't know if if anywhere wants to prove to you that time is not linear, it's Louisiana. Oh yeah, um, we got that under control. So another thing we should cover or talk about are the other accusations against Richard. So there was the Ellender murders and the Kevin Abel murders. He was tied to both of those, alleged to be uh, tied to both of those. Right. Nothing ever came of it. But Mm -hmm. again, this is all under daddy's watch. Right. But the icing on the cake for me was the press conference for this one. Wayne McElveen did not hesitate to hold a press conference and basically be like, my son is innocent, and this is just sad, and right. this is screwing with my family. Like, he showed no remorse for the victims. And they didn't let uh, the Reeves family at right. the press conference. According to Tracy right. in the, the DMs, yeah, they did not allow the Reeves in there, and he said some pretty nasty things to her grandpa on the way out. Right. Um, which he that's, seems I mean, pretty that's, cold. That's what she told me, you know. Right. And, and Mick Elveen in the investigation discovery interview now to this day seems cold and, like, just hostile and... What's the word for no guilt? <laughs> yeah, just... He's he's mad. He It's not even that he's not even guilty. He's mad, like, his life was ruined right. because of this. Like, he's like, how could you? Right, and he still says, like, they got what they wanted. I'd, I'd lost the election all these years later, you and, know? And, like, a child lost her life, like... Two kids lost their mom, a right. brother, a mother right. lost their son and, and, and brother, you know. Like, right, and he's still mad because he lost an election to be a corrupt-ass sheriff. Man. In a corrupt-ass parish. Like, man. I can't deal with it. Uh, but, yeah, he, he paraded uh, Richard around like a poster boy, and it was just a really gross display, like, 
it it was un, it's unsettling to watch. I really recommend watching that episode of Inve- Investigation really Discovery. They have a lot of footage from the 90s, which again right. it's from the news from the 90s. So it's like stuff you're not going to see on you YouTube. know a Google search, yeah, YouTube search. And it's just it's just really uh eye-opening and I don't know. It's it's so cringeworthy when he does it and the way the words he uses yeah. and what he says and the way Richard looks. He's smug. So smug. He's smug as fuck. Like he would be the the bad guy in a 90s like <laughs> movie, you know, like he's going to come in and like fight Zach Morris on Saved by the oh Bell. Oh my god. Like, you, look, you are so fucking spot on right now. I right? Can't like even. oh, you need to see that fucking face. It's um, it's it's uh I just keep thinking smug. Yeah. I don't like it. It's just, yeah, it's rough. Well, another thing, obviously, we need to talk about is Tracy's death. Um, It was said, I believe we saw her uncle on Facebook had said afterwards that it was an alleged overdose. Right. She died in her bathtub. She left behind her two little boys. We just have some feelings about that. Like, she... It's it's very... um... Somebody close to me said they don't believe in coincidences, and right. uh, I I also believe that as well. And um, I don't know why things happen the way that they do, but history t- tends to repeat itself a lot of times. You know what I mean? Right. Like she wanted justice for her mother, and she was gonna do everything to get that justice. You know, a great daughter. And right. her kids are going to remember her as a great mom, someone who fought for the right thing. You know, right. family, fought for family. I mean, I hope that it's not just for nothing. You right. Know, I hope something more happens from the ID channel. Maybe somebody will listen to this and, and talk about somebody. Right. She seems so optimistic in the message about that, where she said the national attention, uh, television right. attention is getting is huge, you know. Like, it seemed to, like, reignite a spark of, like, hope in the case for her. Okay, so one of the last things we want to talk about is the many, many different confessions of Thomas Sisko. He's, he's, he's known to have been her friend, Stacey Reeves' friend, right? And he gave numerous confessions and basically blamed a handful of, I mean, a a couple handfuls. Right. It was a, it was quite a few. It was quite a few uh people that basically he just had grievances with. They owed him money. They crossed him Very somehow in the past. Things. And like these detectives like tore into these people's lives, raided homes. Like he honestly <laughs> that was like I would have never thought of nothing like that. Like that dude was just wasting years. He was just wasting time. Like he, just chilling. And and he was doing things to like get attention and get out of jail as well, like on trips, because he would tell him like, Okay, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna show you where we discarded the gun and the security video. Security video. Right. And then he would be like they'd get somewhere and he'd be like, Never mind, I forgot or whatever. Like he was playing for a very long time. So it did it shot his credibility. Like Yeah. It definitely made him look more, like, uh, manipulative than anybody would have given, like, uh, somebody who was just strung out and needed money. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because at this point, he's been in jail for a long time. He has to at least be somewhat clean as you can be in prison. As much as you can. uh, 
But, you know, theoretically, he's not on the streets at this point. He's eating meals. Right, he's, yeah. He's, he's been in prison and isolated enough for a while, but he's still stringing people along and playing these games. Um, so by the time he wants to come out and say, look, actually, it was Richard McElveen and he did X, Y, and Z and he paid me half this money and blah, blah, blah. I'm scared for my life. It's like, can you believe him? Yeah, it's like, wow, you really fucked that up. Because it's like, part of me is like, can you believe him? He's just trying to get out. But also, bruh, if you were trying to get out, that sketch came out, like, in the beginning. You should have said that from the jump. Right, that would be way more, like, believable evidence stacked on each other. Even, like, even if you're making it up, right? right. Like, Right. But it's like, do you just not care anymore? Are you telling the truth because you were scared for your life before and now you don't care because you've just been in prison forever? You know you're going to die there? Right. I, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm trying to think myself. I, I can't imagine being put in those shoes, honestly. Like, it's just, they need to find something more. Like, I remember one of the news articles, uh, Lane uh, LaBeouf, who is Marty's brother, was quoted as saying, like, there's still certain things from the crime scene that have never been recovered, like checks that are missing right. and certain items from the victims that are missing. So he's like, if you could find those items, you know, it would crack the case open and this and that. And it seemed to me like there was a little bit more in that interview and it seemed to insinuate that some of these items would probably still be in the possession of whoever yeah. uh, assisted in it. Yeah, like it, w it wouldn't be something that they just discarded after they left. Right, exactly, exactly. So it's like, it seems like there's hope and anytime like there's some type of like crack in this case or like some type of uh, coincidence that seems too much of a coincidence, it gets shut down completely. Or somebody gets hurt. Right. Yeah, there's been a few times. So Lane LaBeouf has been really uh, monumental, in addition to Tracy Reeves over the years, of keeping this case alive and in the media and right. at the forefront. There's a Facebook group uh, remembering uh, remembering KK's corner murders and things like that. Like Just really fighting for justice for his brother. Fighting for justice for his brother. And in our research, we found, you know, there's been more than one time that Lane has been attacked. Right. Um... You and, know, and people trying to, like, very much hurt him, like, not just, like... People succeeding in hurting him and right. trying to do much more, exactly, basically. Exactly, yeah, exactly that. Um, and, and we know it's his belief that it's related to the case. Um, it, it can't not be, you know. Right, I mean? there's, there's just too many coincidences in this case, and the fact that it's still getting that much heat that many years later to where people are being assaulted. right. We've been warned by more than one person uh, yeah. about doing this case and our coverage of it. A, f a few, quite a few. Yeah. They were like, look, listen, I know that you want to do it, but, like, maybe you should just do something else. Are you sure? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm a little scared about how I described Richard McElveen earlier. No To shit, be quite huh? honest. I mean, we'll throw an alleged in there. I'm pretty sure I described his looks. <laughs> and now I'm, I might have to edit that out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Good Lord. Okay. So, Katie, what do you think happened? What's your oh, man. What's your theories for KK's Corner? Personally, I think that it's exactly what it seems like. I think that the most obvious solution is always the one to go to the first right and i think that uh that kevin abel mm -hmm. owed money i think that he was killed i think that stacy found out or she was looking around 
she started talking to people that she thought was going to help her. Right. Which, in turn, were actually guys playing on the other team right. that she didn't know. Dirty cops. Dirty cops. So I think that whenever that happened, word got around, well, we can't, we cannot have that. And Kenny Klein was obviously very uh, tied in. You know what I mean? Like, with everything, because... I wonder if he was because he did try and dispatch units that night. That's my only question. Or he, not my only, but right, one of my questions. He, he did. And that is... That does make me also think. But he changed the schedule. Apparently, like, it was, like, known thing that they were moving drugs through. Right. So they had to have been reckless with it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like... If the town knew, yeah, how would Kenny not know kind right, of thing? Right. Like, right. Mm-hmm. So I think whenever that happened... I think maybe it they were just supposed to scare him, and it just went wrong because there was a kid. Maybe Marty... Would you think they were just going to scare them if it was... Like, if you're going with the theory that the other sketch is Richard, so Richard was there doing the dirty deed with Thomas... Right. And Abel's dead. Would they, yeah, would they just be there to scare him? That's a good point. Or, I, or were honestly, they there to just kill them? I think I think that's just me being hopeful since there was a kid that I Like, just, they didn't I, plan on just murdering right, a kid. Right, that's what I, I, I mean, and realistically, they probably didn't plan on murdering her because she was literally just there to right. talk about babysitting Tracy and her it. twin sister. right. And then somebody gave him a black guy, whether it was Marty or Stacy. Well, according them, to Tracy. And according right. to Tracy, and I would go to believe that it was Marty because, I mean, he, he would feel impelled, compelled to protect Stacy and Nicole. Right. You know, right. so whenever they take him out, what do they tell Nicole and Stacy after they fucking kill Marty. How do you keep them controlled that's, after the first gunshot goes that's off? That's the only thing that I've been thinking about. What did they do after Marty was killed? You know what I mean? Like, what did that store look like? Like, did they tell them they weren't going to die? Did they tell them they were going to die? Did they tell them, well, give me the fucking money and I won't kill you? You know what I mean? Right. Like, In my head, both men need to be armed in order to maintain right. control after that first gunshot goes off because the second I hear a gunshot, I'm running. Right. Unless there's another gun pointed right at me. Right. But even then, there's two people. How do you control two people with, when, right. you know, and with, the, and with, the, with one in the back? Because one has right. to be in the back as, as the shooting is happening. And then the door. Okay, so here's what maybe, here's what maybe could have happened, okay? So they kill Marty. Uh, Stacy... Uh, instincts kick in, right? She grabs Nicole, locks herself in the office. office. Uh, the two men who are there, uh, Cisco and, you know... <laughs> R.M. Who, whoever. Who Thomas Cisco <laughs> refers to as R.M. or the devil. Right. Um, they needed to get in there because... They had to get to the had, other two. They had to get to the other two and the security tapes were in there but what if like something happened like there was like a struggle somebody got into the office locked themselves in and that's why they had to tear it rip down. off the door and then after they did that that's whenever they open the safe with the keys right because one has to go with the other they can't have the keys and not be able to get into the office so the keys had to have been in the office right i mean yeah that's a good theory and then just besides that, it's like basically people have to make the decision on whether they believe the final story Cisco has said. I mean, to, I mean, to his credit, since he has said that story, it hasn't changed. Right. Like that's still the same story he was telling Tracy 
to this day. And for Richard, it's like three strikes. You know what I mean? It's the Ellender murders, Abel, and then the KK's corner. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's not... Right. I mean, like, once, oh, I misnamed. Twice, that's a weird coincidence. But three times? Yeah, three murder cases, not three, like, random things. That's six bodies? Right. Just, Just that? I mean, and not only that, but again, the local rumor mill is non-stop about him being involved in the drug scene and you know a kingpin which in, is why he was untouchable right like you're the sheriff's son you're untouchable like man honestly got it made like you could right. like you can just do whatever the fuck you want and there's no consequence right you live your whole life with no consequences and there are people who miss their family members i'll never see them again and you're just mad chilling cooling that's it yeah well, what do you think happened, Des? Um, it's pretty much in line with that. I think Stacy ended up a target because she was in communication with the sheriff or with the deputy, and she thought she was doing something helpful, and it really it just marked her. I think they came in for her specifically. It it does seem to be tied to the drug scene. Thomas Sisko, again, his credibility is just all over the place, but it's remained since then. So it's just so hard to say because they're being investigated by themselves. It's what we see today in the news all the time where it's like the cops are investigating the cops and we know it's a bunch of corrupt bullshit and we know we're never going to get the correct outcome because they protect each other. Back the blue. And exactly. I think there's more questions in this case, like... Then there are answers by far. Exactly, exactly. Um, Just why were those 80 personnel fired? Right. You know, why was the door ripped off the hinges? Why were the keys there, but the doors ripped off the hinges? Why was there money left? Like... Why was her purse untouched? Right. Like, there's there's just so many things. And if if what Tracy said was true, there's even more questions. Like, why did Thomas Sisko call the house asking... For Stacy after the murders, I got I got the free songs just now. Whenever you said that, yeah, there's just there's just so many things, like how credible is the hypnotism, how you know yeah. like <laughs> how and like that's how they got like the rabbit foot, which is the name of the ID channel episode, right? You know, um, it's just like yeah, he did have a rabbit's foot, which is pretty specific, but I mean in the nineties. Most people did. I would go to a spot in California called Skate Junction and win a rabbit's foot, and I would <laughs> exactly. put on my keychain. I got some at the bowl now. But also, how much of it, how reliable is any of that? Like, what if Cisco was known for having a rabbit's foot on right. his keychain, and that was given to the witness to say? Right. Because any of this could be coerced if you're questioning the whole system as a whole, which we know has been corrupt. And Tracy said that, the wit, the only eyewitness, what personally told her that she was threatened. Right, and yeah, exactly that. the The statements aren't even accurate because right. she was scared of, after being threatened. Right. I mean, so obviously what if during that threat, they gave her a fucking description. You know exactly. What I, mean? I mean, that's why, like in the beginning, she couldn't give a description of Cisco, and but then somehow you pick him out of a lineup. How right. does that work? You can't even give a general description, but then you could pick him out of a lineup later. Right. Like, you're trying to protect yourself, and it's it's a survival mechanism, I understand but it. But then he but... tried to do the thing with how uh, Nicole's body fell. You know what I mean? Like, how would he have known that? Right, but then, like Tracy says, her body did fall. 
Exactly. But, like, how would, how would he know that, like, that's even, like, a... A narrative Right, or like an option in that story. You know what I mean? Like, like that's a... Unless that's a, the cops are coercing his right. statements and stuff, too. But it seems like Cisco was there. Right. I don't know. that The other sheriff who just... Uh, or the other cop or deputy who was in communication with her, who was never named, who didn't come forward after she was murdered at the store where they made it seem like they used to meet up at the store. Yeah. Didn't come forward, but he passed a polygraph. Oh, and his nine millimeter was different. Like, oh, for real? Wow. Says who, though? Right. So actually, Houston Police Department. But there's no saying that they helped that part. It just says they assisted it, in the investigation. It said that the Houston Police Department did the ballistic test on the 9mm. Did they? It did. Whenever I paused it earlier and I was reading the uh-huh. report, it said it right there. I, I specifically remember just that part because it said ballistic. I uh-huh. think it said ballistic. Like the ballistic analysis. Yeah. He did say they sent it to like a lab or something like that, so it was probably sent to Houston. Yeah, they said, they said it was... Uh, it was them, and you said they they probably called in someone else too. I wish that something would happen. You know what I mean? Like it's this this has been idle since this happened like two months after I was born, and nothing's happened since I was under the age of five. Right. I'm twenty. And I turn twenty four next month. And people are still fighting and searching for justice. It's something they have not let die down, and which we know in true crime. That's important. That's the only way you'll ever get results if you can even possibly get them is to make sure your story stays in the media and like stays in people's minds. And and Tracy was dedicated to doing that. Absolutely. And Lane LaBeouf is dedicated to doing that. Um, so we, hopefully something comes of it at some point, you yeah. know. We hope that we can just share with y'all their story and help y'all get them the justice that they deserve. Right, yeah, definitely check it out. Like I said, they have Facebook groups. There's the IAD um, episode on it. And then there's quite a few articles about, like, the 20th anniversary and things like that of KK's Corner. But it's just fucked up from beginning to end, whatever whatever the truth may be. And unfortunately, a lot of people, it seems to be, are passing before they're ever going to get the truth. And right. that's just another fucking travesty. Well, guys, we wanted to feature KK's Corner first because we had a real big interest in this with Tracy. Um, This is what started Cypress Secrets. Um, We're really happy to bring this to you guys. If anybody sees anything that we may have missed, please let us know. We would love to look at that. If you have theories, present them. Like, let's talk about this because, like we said, there's so many questions that it's just up in the air and let's... Let's keep it going for Tracy and for the three original victims. Right. And without getting too much into it, we just wanted to give a little glimpse into the future. But we have some ties from this story that we're going to be tying into the Jeff Davis 8 story that we will be covering soon. Right. So if you know are familiar with that story, stay tuned. And if you're not, go ahead and read up on that one so that we can make make the connection for you guys and hopefully, you know, make some progress finally after all these years. Okay, besides that, we also have some in-betweeners coming because there's been some shit popping off in Lafayette uh, with some police brutality. Surprise, surprise. I was about to say, I'm so shocked. Yeah, uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, we might be coming back to KK's Corner, too. This isn't the last you, you'll you hear of this. Uh, right, there's still always more to be done. Right, exactly. 
Uh, but besides that, we'll be signing off for the week, and we hope everybody has a great weekend. And we hope you enjoyed this episode.